Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Another football Friday here in the Two Guys in a Mike show. Some great games coming up this weekend, particularly in the world of collegiate football. Tomorrow might be the most power-packed slate of uh, quality college football games we've had all season. Not a bad rocket to the docket of NFL uh, games on Sunday either. I didn't even realize, David Olson, but there was NFL football yesterday. Had no idea. I thought it was World Series only, but there was Thursday night NFL football. I didn't see it. But apparently uh, the Minnesota Vikings knocked off at home with the Tampa Bay Buccaneer football Friday. We'll talk a lot of pigskin sneak and some World Series talk. And as per always, we'll jump off the sports page. Coach and the Big Dog, we're the ones that do the jump and you want to take a plunge with us. Give us a call at 888-463-6748. A little bit of music. And then we'll get the show started. David Olson, producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass, playing the music, the dog, and the coach. With you up until 11 o'clock, we'll make our Beat the Schmoes football picks today. A lot of football talk, World Series as well. i got to mention Big Dog real quick as we welcome in my good partner, uh, the Big Dog, Joel Radwanski. It is one of my favorite days today because today is the day. I don't know if it's going to be a target or a Dominix or a... I used to go to a Barnes & Nobles. I need a place with a good magazine selection, but... Today is the day, my friend, that I will be going out to buy my 2012-2013 college basketball preview magazine. I have a very lonely life, Big Dog. It's one of the highlights of my particular life. Don't you have a Main Street in your community? Uh, a Main Street? Yeah. Mm, we got the Glen. Okay, so there isn't a newsstand in the Glen. No. The guy's probably figuring he's going to go out of business soon. Oh, so... No one was uh, dumb enough to actually start a paper product type information place anywhere near that area. Yeah, no. Okay, so that's good. That's good. But anyway, I would say find somewhere in Morton Grove, trying to think someplace that has a newsstand. Go in there. Support I... your local newsstand, Coach. It's I... the only place. Don't go. Barnes and Noble's gone because they paid. It was like nine dollars for that cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They'd still be open if they only charge a dollar for that coffee. Mm-hmm. I actually like that philosophy. By the way, Big Dog, it's Borders. I think they closed. Barnes and Noble's still hanging in. Oh, my fault, Barnes but and Noble. I like yeah. your I like your philosophy. What I think what I hear you saying is uh, not just a newspaper and anything. When you can support, support your local mom and pop store if it's still open. Without question, yes. Ever all these people, oh, I hate corporations. The corporations. Are, if you hate corporations so much, why did you drink a diet coke when you woke up? Got in your <laughs> regular car, gassed it up with. Marathon gas, drove to a McDonald's, uh, and then after you went to McDonald's, you went to Walgreens and picked up your drug prescription, and then you went and started working for uh, Johnson & Johnson, and on the at lunch you had Burger King, and on the way home you picked up Wendy's, Wendy's and when you got back, you decided to put, I mean, you know what I'm saying, there's all this. Yeah, and don't forget when you got back, you watched a movie for five ninety nine, courtesy of your Comcast, instead of going out to your local video store and renting the movie for probably two bucks less. 
just yeah, to throw exactly, it out. Coach. That's what I'm getting at. Support yeah. your local mom and pop shop. Yeah. I like yeah, it, Big Dog. Go to the local grocer, shop there, cook your own food, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Chinatown Market yesterday, and I got to tell you, the, the prices and how cheap and how fresh everything was, Coach, is just freaking amazing. Just, I'm just glad that I finally got myself out of the contaminated lifestyle of just wanting everything so easy. I'm mm-hmm. going a little bit the extra mile lately. and it, it, I got in a conversation with a, a, a man that told me some phenomenal stories yesterday, Coach. Basically, he owns the building that Dennis Eckersley lived in. He told me Milton Bradley's stories because, you know, he had problems with the people <laughs> that uh, that uh, he rented from and stuff. Milton and Bradley? Milton Bradley, oh, yeah. Boy. He, he, he didn't own that building, but one of his best friends owned that building. He started telling me the Milton Bradley stories, Coach. Good, good stuff. Oh, boy. Milton Bradley never paid his rent, basically, and that's why he would never move anything. And he'd move a bed and a dresser into his spot and then not pay rent for six months, and they'd kick him out and. He does personally get to keep the bed in the dresser, and he'd go through that to another spot. This is a major league ball player that had a $10 million a year contract with Chicago Cubs, by the way. Why do I get the feeling we could fill up probably the entire next week programming if we wanted with uh, people that owned apartments or rented condos to a Milton Bradley Jr.? Yeah, it couldn't. Really, seriously, the the stories where he was cracking me up. Well, like, the point was the guy's like, well, he started telling me something. He's like, well, you wouldn't know this guy, but like when Jordan was like young in his career, I'm like, why wouldn't I know when Michael Jordan was young in his career? He's like, look at you. What are you like? Twenty five. I just started laughing, coach. And then I said to him, I was like, I don't, I don't eat McDonald's. And but I said a bunch of other stuff. So I, I, the guy thought I was twenty five years old. I'm like, because like, I'm so immature. That is not bad, 25. And for those uh, new listeners to the program, and we got new listeners hopping on board all the time, big doggy. Only minor negatives. We have a lot of people jumping off ship, too. But hopefully we're staying above ground. But you uh, celebrated about a month ago your 40th birthday. So being mistooken for 25, that's not too bad. What I'm saying is I never eat any fast food, Coach. I always cook all my own products. I exercise every day, and I'm trying not to stress out about anything. But there are certain hot-button things that make me fly off the handle. Mm -hmm. If you people think this way, support your local grocery, support your... You know what I mean? And try to get away from this whole forced-upon lifestyle that seems like commercials and magazines forced on our throats that maybe we'd be a lot better for. All of a sudden, David, I'm starting to feel guilty about going to Target now and paying my five ninety nine for my college basketball magazine. You're you're ruining one of my great enjoyments, Big Dog. But, but I hear what you're saying, and I actually completely agree with it. Yeah, those... Uh, you know what? The, uh, there's, uh, the other day, I, I'm not kidding you, I saw I was in... Uh, I was, I forget, I was like, I was in a mode of transportation. I'm pretty sure it was not a car. Pretty sure it was the train. And I saw a record store. It was on the north side of the city of Chicago, and I could not believe what I saw. A what store? A record store. Oh, okay. I wanted to go out and just go buy something from these people just to keep them in. (laughs) I'm trying to remember where I was, and as soon as I was, just to keep them in business. It's like a a treasured antique now, a record store, a mom-and-pop video store, a... uh... A little coffee shop, a little ma- uh, or or a, a bookstore, the little mm-hmm. mom and pop bookstore. Those are almost extinct at this point, sadly enough. You, you know, uh, you know what destroyed the mom and pop video store? X Hamster, because now you can get your porn on the internet for free. <laughs> oh goodness! I'm, you think I'm that? I, I I'm joking around, but it, there's a a lot of truth in that, coach. So the big dog, you were the guy who went into the. Uh, 
video store to rent like a couple of regular movies, and then you mosey down over to the, uh, the the little beaded curtains and went behind the green door. No, 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 no. I uh, I just <laughs> set a video camera up in in the room and then just watched the previous action. Yeah. Hamster. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anybody that has ever been with a big dog. Not not familiar with the hamster videos, David Olson. I may have to. Uh, I may have to check that. That's that's the. Uh... That was a chipmunk coach, and I gotta tell you, those little guys can sing. <laughs> All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Dog and the coach at your service, folks. Right up until eleven o'clock, talking football. More. It is a football Friday today. We got to make our. Beat the Schmoes football picks. We got to uh, mention the World Series as well. Big dog, big win for the San Francisco uh, Giants. As a matter of fact, before we get into the football, let's get the World Series out of the way. The uh, Giants continue on a roll. They're up 2-0. Pitching duel yesterday, and it was Madison Bumgarner, who uh, went, what, seven innings and shut down a pretty good hitting Detroit Tiger lineup. Impressive pitching by the Giants. Yeah, extremely impressive pitching. They're up 2 nothing now, and and uh, the Tigers got to be a little worried. I know it's going back to Detroit. You know they're in the World Series. Don't panic. You know you got to win four to the next five games, and, and they'll be world champs. But all of a sudden, you get Vogelsong and Kane in games three and four for the Giants. The, the Giants were just like crossing their fingers, and being like, you know what, we want to go one and one. If we go two and zero, oh, we basically control this series. Well, the Giants have complete and utter control of this series at this point, even though the next three games are going to be played in Detroit, if there are three. The only problem with that is, Big Dog, and I alluded to it yesterday, the San Francisco Giants have come from behind so many times. They're almost in uncharted territory here in this postseason where they've been the underdog all of a sudden now. They're up 2-0, and everybody says they're the team to beat. I wonder if that's going to – they're almost more comfortable playing from behind. Yeah, maybe that's true. <laughs> maybe, uh, who knows? We'll, we'll never know because uh, something tells me they're going to finish off the Detroit Tigers. I think it's, it's not going to matter. It's going to mm-hmm. going to be moved. I I hope I'm wrong. I want the Tigers to at least make this a series. Please win game three so you have like a, a Matt Cain, Matt, Matt Scherzer, you know, duel in game four to truly make it a, a 2-2 game. That's all I'm rooting for as a baseball fan, keeping my fingers crossed. Uh, Sergio Romo got the shutout. That is, uh, I've got two guys that have joined my most recent man crush list, big dog, and they're both members of the San Francisco Giant. One is the photo bomber closer, Sergio Romo, who was outstanding yesterday, and I am gaining a certain attraction for a Hunter Pence. Well, I've always had the Hunter Pence love because, like, he's, he's just always played baseball. The right way. Yeah. And I had no problem with Sergio Romo. I was liking him. And then he did that interview with Joe Buck. And then he said some stuff that just I always, I always found, find irritating. When people are goofy and they say like to you, oh yeah, I'm weird. I'm goofy. I, you know, like then they're not really, then they're trying. Good point. And then I don't, you know what I mean? And I yeah. don't like that. And like, like Sergio, like they asked Sergio Romo something. He's like, oh yeah, uh, I'm starting to trend. And then he started acting just like that. And I'm like, wow, you went from the guy that I thought was, hey, lighthearted, funny, and like that's the kind of guy I was on the the, the end of the bench, like having a good time. And then he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm wacky, I'm weird, I like to do uh, weird things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Well, if, it, if it's forced, to it take some of the charm out of it, no question about it. I will <laughs> tell you this, though. Watching Sergio Romo pitch 
the last couple times out in the entire postseason, last night in particular, nasty. I mean, he's got stuff that starts outside and ends inside. He's got stuff that ends inside and starts outside. I don't know what he's throwing, uh, Big Dome, but that ball is moving. And it's staying yeah, in the strike zone while it moves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And he uh, yeah, he basically came out of nowhere. And you have to admit, you know, when, it, when Brian Wilson went down for the San Francisco Giants, everybody, including me, thought that, well, they, you know, they're barely going to win anything this year because they have so little hitting that if you don't have a, yeah. a guy closing down three to two and two to one ball games all the time, and that's a real disadvantage. But obviously, you know, Romo has stepped up since the second half of the season and definitely in the postseason. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he's getting close to the record for most po- saves in one postseason coach. Because was that his eighth yesterday? And out there, right? I don't have the numbers, but uh, just about every time I tune into another dramatic giant win, it's Sergio Romo uh, celebrating at the end. So I, eight would not surprise me. Well, that, they they only have uh, let me see, like nine wins so far, or eight wins total. So I don't know if he, I don't think he's saved every single game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. look in that stand but he's got a lot. And every time he tries to celebrate with his emotion, I've got a new nickname, and I, I and I like Buster Posey. I love Buster Posey, but. My nickname for Buster Posey is Buzzkill, because he might be the most unemotional player. I mean, the guy doesn't celebrate, you know, big plays and stuff. He, I don't know if he's putting on a facade or what. It doesn't look like it. It looks like it's pretty natural. He takes cool and calm to an extreme level. And watching Romo, an emotional guy wanting to celebrate, and Buster Posey just comes up at high five like they just won an exhibition game. Have you noticed that? What? Well, I, I don't know how bad that is, Coach. I'm not even that, saying bad or good. I'm just saying it's. A, I'm just shocked at how calm, I guess is the word to use, but if you want to go the negative trend, you could call it buzzkill. He's just very unemotional, as Buster Posey. Uh, I, that's a good notice, Coach. That's many people would notice that. Yeah, he's just business-like, goes about his business, does his own does his own thing. And this, seriously, and that's why it was like kind of strange when, uh, when uh, Cody Ross, ran him over and he like he came out and was like so emotional about like mm-hmm. can't believe he did that to me that's got to get yeah. out of baseball you know like and talking like that i was kind of i was surprised to hear him say that mm-hmm. or talk that way and when you think about it too and you alluded to brian wilson i was thinking about this the san francisco giants here you got a team that uh you know the first half of the season their offensive star he, one could say he carried the team he was really playing well he was kind of the spirit of the team their best hitter melky cabrera he gets tested positive. Boom, he is done for the season. So you, you, halfway through the season, you lose him. Your star pitcher coming into the season, Tim Lensicombe, basically busts out and now is a middle reliever. Who knows what happens next year, but for this year. And, and I had almost forgot about it, the beard, Brian Wilson, the energy and the spirit of the team, and one of the top closers in baseball out all season. And I don't know if I'm forgetting any others, Big Dub, but those are three major chunks they've lost and they're two games away from winning the World Series. Well, uh, it, it, it is amazing. And think about their lineup. It's not good. Pablo Sandoval is their best hitter coach. And the Pablo Sandoval is a very good line drive hitter. You know what? He, he's excellent. But the idea that this guy is, without a doubt, your best hitter in your lineup, I mean, Buster Posey is pretty good, too. So those two guys, yep. I, I'm just – I'm. 
I'm awed, basically, that they continue to do this, Coach. Yeah, it's all about momentum. It's who plays the best this time of the year. I, they've caught my imagination again. Haven't had a bad dream for a wild dog, but uh, last night, sure enough, woke up about 2.30 in the morning, had to uh, go in for a slight urinalysis, came back to the bed, looked over at the wife, and she looked at that moment just a little bit like San Francisco Giant first baseman Brandon Belt. Very, very disturbing. It's definitely not good. Not good whatsoever. I threw her one in the dirt. She picked it up on the one hop without bobbling it, though. Not bad. From the stretch position, by the way, Big Dog. Mm hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got a, a day break, and then we got it's a 2 3 2, right? So now we're going back to Detroit for three games? Three games, yeah, 2 3 okay. 2. All right. So the, the Giants are almost in that cool position of even if they lose all three, they're going to come back home in better position than they've been in the last two series. Because the yeah, last. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's and uh, knowing this team, they probably will lose the, the next three games. <laughs> Hopefully they do. Yeah. No offense to the Giants fans. I want a seven-game World Series. I want to see a game seven. So uh, I would love to see three games in a row. Yeah, it's, it's, that was also the key that just what you brought up. They, by winning yesterday's game and going up 2 nothing, this is a team that knows that they can lose a couple games in a row. They've done this many times. But they have in the back of their mind, no matter what, they get to play back in San Francisco to save their season at worst by winning uh, that game last night, Coach. That's, a, that's an excellent point you just mm. brought up. You think the Tigers' lackluster play is possibly due to the effects of secondhand smoke from manager Jim Leland? Is it finally yeah. catching up to him? Yes. I had that same you know, thought. It, it, isn't, it isn't the one-time effect. Like, oh, you just right. smoked by my baby. You know, it's more, it's, you know, it's the buildup. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> All right, 888-463-6748. We'll keep an eye on the World Series. Who knows? When we talk again on Monday, Big Dog, it's not likely, but there's a chance. The 2012, 2000, um, the 2012 baseball season could come to conclusion, but um, I'd be shocked if that were the case. No, no, don't say shock, Coach. There'd be nothing shocking of Ryan Vogelsog and Matt Cain pitching two games and, and, and winning two games in a row. It wouldn't be shocking whatsoever. In the whole long run, you'd be like, yeah, you know what? A sweep of the Tigers, really? Wow, I just, I didn't see the Giants doing it. But at this point, they've done half of it, and you got two. They got their two best pitchers pitching. They didn't even have their two good, their two top pitchers pitching in games one and two. So, uh, if you if you see where I'm coming from at that point, yeah. mm-hmm. like right now, you know the Giants were playing with house money, even getting to the World Series, and the fact that they won two years ago, which is still one of the worst teams ever win a World Series championship, is the 2010 yeah. Giants. And they they and, they might be surpassed by this year's team. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at, Coach. So it, it, like, in, in some weird way, you know, that they're going into the World Series, and if we can win one out of the first two games, especially with Verlander going against our three, four postseason pitchers, and you'll walk out 2-0, I mean, the, the, the Tigers might be thinking about, well, I don't know, they got Max Scherzer for game four, but now they're going to be kind of wishing. Well, if they can win the next two, the Tigers will be in really, really good position again. So we can hopefully have a series. All right, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the World Series, no question about it. But it is a football weekend, and that means it's a football Friday. Dog and the coach, regular tradition during the football season. The football Fridays don't work that well when it's not football season. Thank you very much. Uh, we mentioned a great slate top of the show, Dog. I said this might be the best set of games that we've had on a Saturday here in the 2012 season. Maybe even in recent memory. I mean, you've got powerhouses galore. We've talked about Notre Dame and Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Florida, Georgia. 
Uh, I almost forgot, you know, Alabama going to be tested by a Mississippi State team that is ranked, what, like 10th or 11th in the country? I mean, that's a pretty good game as well. Yeah, the, the Mississippi State is quietly having a great season that nobody really has noticed. But. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I normally I'm beat the schmoes. I go pro football, but I am feeling an upset. Uh, and I think the game, correct me if I'm wrong, is in Athens, Georgia, but I'm feeling a bulldog over a Gator victory. What do you think? Oh, uh, that was going to be one of my games. I can't pick it now. Yes, you can. I'm not, pick- no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not I'm actually not picking. I'm going all three pro football, so you can pick it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go off now that you gave us a head nod. <laughs> my reputation precedes me, huh? Yeah, I, I had there was like five games I wanted to pick anyway, so that was going to be I was going to pick that game. But that game is can, at Georgia. Uh, they have it in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. It's uh, what oh. do you call it? It's a neutral site every year. This is the cocktail party, the world's largest. Yeah, unless unless all of a sudden this year, they, the last couple of years they started playing it. Uh, did they quit playing it in Jacksonville because there was too many uh, like drunken fights and stuff out in Not the parking sure. lot? But that was one of the uh, our bucket list of sports events that you and me wanted to attend. I'd be very disappointed if the world's largest cocktail party had been canceled. Now, what are what are Georgians known for drinking? <sighs> mint, no, not mint juleps. That's Kentucky. That's, I don't know. Schnapps, peach schnapps, maybe. Is that yeah, peach schnapps? That makes a lot of sense, coach. Peach schnapps from yeah. the, the yeah. from where all the peaches are going. I, I like that. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. Down Florida, it's uh. It's the it's the drink with uh, hold on, screwdrivers. No, it's, it's the drink with the grass that comes out of it. You know what I mean, like the the marsh grasses that they have out in Florida with a little umbrella mm-hmm. on it. It's, it that's uh with the rum. Okay, so Florida's. The, 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 I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's the rum drink with the grass, and then I can't think of what it is. Is it like a mai tai? Well, not a mai tai. It's a, but it's a common drink. Yeah, it's a common drink. I, it was, and I can't think of what it is, but you know those. That's what they drink. A lot of rum is drank down in Florida. Mm-hmm. So you got and one. I'm looking, Go ahead. I'm looking at. It doesn't say anything. It just says Florida, Georgia, CBS. It doesn't say anything about it being at a neutral field, coach, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's in Athens, Georgia, now. Because mm-hmm. I thought a couple of years ago they quit having it in Jacksonville because of all the fights in the parking lot and just. People acting stupid, like you know, like we have the Cubs and Cardinals, great rivalry. We get together, you know, they make fun of our congestion. We make fun of the fact that they have like two good restaurants in the whole city. You know, they make fun <laughs> of the fact we don't have championships, and we make fun of the fact that uh, when people run on the field in St. Louis, they don't have any teeth. You know, like stuff like that. Okay, and then we all laugh by each other beers, and uh, you know, we drink Miller products, they drink Budweiser products. Uh, but down there, I mean, like it's like the San Francisco Giants, L.A. Dodgers. They stab you in the parking lot in those things, coach. You got That's no joke. <laughs> yeah. The Florida Georgia football rivalry is like not to be messed with. People, Florida people are insane about their football coach. They beat people up in parking lots over it. Crazy. The entire Southeast Conference. We've talked about it before. Auburn Alabama game is a similar Ooh. environment. I mean, they, they take it arguably. Now, we love football, big deal. We're passionate about it. Arguably, they take it a little bit too serious down in the South. Did you happen to see, I wish I could remember the name of it, back uh, back when I used to actually watch ESPN before my boycott. The, the only things I miss are college football and uh, their actual produced movies. 
And they had one, they have this like 30 for 30 deal that was so good that they, they're doing more than 30 movies. Uh, but the story of uh, the Alabama fan that poisoned the Auburn trees uh, after they won the national title. Did you see that movie, Coach? I have. I, I forgot about that incident, so I'm, I'm chuckling. I forgot about that. I did not know they did a uh, expose on that, though. Coach, uh, uh, the passion and the hatred combined <laughs> that you thought there was yeah. in SEC football times that by two. Because that's what after watching that movie, I was like, these people are freaking sick. <laughs> They're sick. Okay, like people from Alabama calling up. Like, there were some Alabama fans that would call up and be like, this is disgusting, this is only a football game, They and this guy embarrassed us by doing this to this Auburn, uh, uh, to the Auburn people, but, and then, and then, uh, and then, like, the same guy would be like, and can, can you believe that they, you know, we try to kill these trees, like, uh, earlier, I don't know, then, like, this happens after the tornado, too, remember the tornado where all these Auburn people came up to Alabama, yes. sort of, I mean, yeah. it was just, it, one of the most amazing stories. I mean, I knew they love football coach, but to just forget what's right and wrong in your in in life because you hate Auburn so much. <laughs> well, again, that was one. He was working on his own, right? That was not like yeah, he was. He was working on his own, but all I can tell you is, after watching this, they just started going off like a list, a laundry list of stories of what Auburn and Alabama fans have done back and forth to each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about toilet paper in somebody's front yard with crimson-colored toilet paper because they're an Auburn fan just to pee on. That would make me laugh. I mean, like, disgusting, disgusting stuff. <laughs> uh, like, get a life is all I got to tell you. Get a life. David, the guy uh, who did poison the tree, uh, investigation says he was working alone, but there is a strong conglomerate of Republicans that feel it was an organized premeditated attack and that uh, the people of Alabama, the governor is covering it up. Thank you very much. Yeah, and it's freaking disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> the fact that they can't uh, actually uh, say what happened when they change the story back and forth. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Hey, by the way, the 30-30, I'm not going to get in politics with you anymore. we we got we got to let you calm down a little bit. But I heard the 30-30 that's running now on Ben Wilson, the uh, – 18-year-old high school. I got to see it. Uh, Coach, I was out at a restaurant and all of a sudden see a picture of a kid from Simeon slam dunking a basketball. And it's from like the 80s. And I'm like, that's got to be Ben Wilson. I got to hear the Ben Wilson story. And then then Benji is the name of it. I got to watch it, Coach. That is one of the saddest stories in the history of Illinois sports, if Mm. not American sports. I've heard from a couple of people. It's extremely well done. Any listeners that are hearing us wondering – you know who and or what? Real quick, the synopsis of this could big dog. Uh, quite simply, in 1989. Uh, oh no, excuse me, excuse me. It was, it was before that. Excuse me. It was 1985 because Benji Wilson would have been a senior on the '89 Flying the Line I team. My fault. Yep. 1985, young man who's the number one basketball player in the country while he was a junior. Well, it's finally his senior year in high school, and he's still the number one player in the country. He's going to his first high school baseball game that year, or basketball game, basketball game, first day of school, not first day of school, but the day of school of his first basketball game, and someone shoots him and kills him. And it was not targeted, not it was it was random, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They didn't they didn't know. I don't think the shooters knew that there was. That's the story for years. That yes. that's the, and I haven't seen the Benji movies. Yeah. I don't know if that there's new light to come to that, but it was, mm-hmm. supposedly it was just random what, violence. Um, 
who who does the thirty to thirties? Is that ESPN? That's ESPN, okay. and it's basically random movie makers mm-hmm. who uh, who put sports movies out there, and they're like documentary. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that one is definitely a must see because I, w- I would like to see uh, oh. more into that. You know, Ben Wilson was like a guy that like they were like you know he was going to be able to get into Illinois, even like. You know, like most players couldn't back then, and they would finagle the records and all that. Like Ben Wilson actually was like a smart kid, you know, and a good kid. It was he wasn't just yes. oh the good kid who never right. did anything wrong to anybody, but he played basketball. And it's truly, to be honest with you, he might be a real nice kid, but he's a moron because nobody took made him go to school and made sure he learned mm-hmm. and all that. And everything I learned about Ben Wilson was he was just the opposite. Like yeah, he was a good kid and all that, but he actually like went to class. He was the number one player in the country before they actually rated. No, no, they've been number they were one rating. players in the no, country. No, no, they, they were they were rating before that coach. That was yeah, uh, barely. Yeah, coach, coach, don't you? Uh, in the, Sports Illustrated. Uh, that's what I grew up with. The stuff they no. were ranking the number one player in the country in the seventies. They I had know. the top hundred. My point was, well, yeah, it's it's nowhere near the sophistication that it is now. But at yeah, any yeah, rate, basically, he was the number one player when he was a junior and as a senior. That I remember. That's the only player that has that they've ever done that for. And he was a six eight point guard in high school, coach. Yep. Wasn't he six eight? Yeah, a six seven, six eight. Could be a point guard, could be a two guard, which again, back in the mid eighties was a lot more unusual and a lot more unique than it is now. Yes. Yes. And yeah. and uh back in the eighties, if you were the best basketball player in the city of Chicago, you went to Illinois and or mm-hmm. DePaul. So how about that? How about times have changed, Coach? You're number one player in the city of Chicago. You go to North Carolina or Duke for yep. a year or Kentucky, and then you go directly to the pros right yep. after. Yep. We'll see where Jabari Parker goes to. He's the number one in the country. He hasn't determined yet. David, I'm picturing a 30-30, maybe hopefully they're still doing the segments, say a decade for now, and I'm, I'm envisioning a dramatic story, which I will sit down and watch with my uh, children and their grandkids, uh, this year, man, the incredible rise and tragic fall of this year, man. Tragic fall. Why are you always busting on me? Why is it, <laughs> why is it going to be a tragic fall? <laughs> Come on, big dog. We're having a little fun here. But you never know. This year, man, could down the road. It's possible. I'd have to focus on it a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's work on the incredible rise, and we can leave the, the tragic fall for later, okay? One, <laughs> one step at a time. See, now I got the big dog mad at me again. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number, Football Friday. Beat the Schmoes football picks coming up before we uh, move to the NFL, big dog. Uh, in the Big Ten, a game that hasn't been talked about much, but it's going to determine who's going to win the Legends division and play for the right to go to the Rose Bowl, Michigan at Nebraska. Two athletic quarterbacks, two powerhouse institutions. Uh, it's being underplayed. Because of all the other great games, but this one, and it's at Nebraska, so I don't need to tell you what kind of atmosphere will be in that stadium. Yeah, that's it's just going to be cool watching the red and white go up against the the maize and blue. Yeah. Like it's just like that's just I don't know the colors are perfect. I almost feel like when we be watching that game, watching Taylor Martinez versus Gennard Robinson, it's going to feel like we're watching a game from the 1950s anyway. So it's going to be like it's uh, all of us like old time college football fans can feel nice at home as we watch running games and bombs down the field. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, it seriously goes just, this game does feel like it's from 1972 more than it does yeah. 2000, 2012 with the two quarterbacks that are playing. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's going to be a heck of a game too. I, 
I go back and forth. I was thinking about picking this game and beat the Schmo, but I, I go back and forth. I want to pick Nebraska, but I think their running back, Burkholder, is still out. So they're not going to have him. And now I'm starting to lean towards maybe Michigan on the road. But either way, the atmosphere will be great. I think it will be a heck of a game. Yeah, that is, it should be a phenomenal atmosphere. And that Nebraska might have the worst stadium in all of uh, college football, considering how great of a program it is. Mm-hmm. And how rabid the fan base is. Yeah, when you, well, it's not the fan base's fault at all. fan base in Nebraska is incredible. They, yes. they pack that place. The problem is, this is no joke, look at the field when you watch the game this week. Hopefully you watch Michigan-Nebraska. That's going to be a phenomenal game. Uh, it's like two-thirds of the seats in the place are in the end zone. Hmm. When they originally built it, they didn't build it big enough. And the only way to start adding seats, like when Bob Devaney turned them into a massive program, was to add them in the end zone. So if you look at that, it's the worst Stadium in all of college football, you have to sit. If you like, you go there. You have to get an end zone seat. It's like impossible to get a seat along the, the field. <laughs> I just came out with an innovation. What if they had uh, maybe to charge more money? They charge everybody the high ticket price, and the stadium <laughs> seats actually revolve as the game is going on. So somebody in the end zone seats, you know, by the end of the first quarter, they've got like 50-yard line seats. <laughs> so a team could be driving down near you, but all of a sudden you're getting farther and farther away from the action. Or imagine, Big Dog, if you happen to be swiveling and slowly turning towards the way the team is going. The revolving stadium, a brilliant idea heard first here on the Two Guys in a Mic show. Yeah, you know, Coach, that is brilliant. <laughs> and I think, it, you know, I think it would work. And... Uh... Actually, that probably will go through, and I guarantee every single time, like uh, that, that I go to a game when that happens, the actual will be on the other end of the field just because it's revolving the whole entire time. That's I think a lot of people have experienced that. David, you're you're not going to tell me. I thought David was going to tell me there's already a stadium like that. Interesting. Could be pretty humorous though, if the fans were, and then someone hits the fast forward button, all of a sudden the thing starts going like a, you know, like an amusement ride. Could I mean, if you were watching, I mean, if you were watching <laughs> that going on when Paul Westhead was a coach, can yeah. you imagine watching a basketball game going in circles with that? You break your freaking neck. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, let's move on to pro football. Big deal. We have some uh, serious issues to talk about first and foremost. Uh, thank goodness the Bears are back Sunday at twelve o'clock. It's been a long time. A lot of us can get back into our tradition, but uh, I think. I think it'd be a decent game. Uh, Carolina visiting Soldier Field. We all we all know Bears are on a roll, and Carolina's been struggling. But I don't know about you, but I expect the Panther to give the Bear everything they want, and maybe even more than they want. Yeah, you know, I, I was I, I was saying that this is a must win yesterday, and it's not a must win like oh, and the season is done. No, that's not what I mean. I, the Bears really cannot lose focus and. And, and not get a W here considering what their schedule ends up being after they go to Tennessee next week. Because after that, the, the second half of the season, the last eight games are unbelievable. It's about as tough of an eight game stretch as I can ever remember the Bears having to play. Mm-hmm. So they really need to be seven and one going into that. And coach, the Carolina Panthers are going to play their best game of the season and, and the Bears should expect that. 
they should expect that out of every single opponent they ever play. But this week, when the GM is fired and the coach basically says, I'm considering replacing coaches and I'm more than willing to fire and cut, excuse me, cut, fire is the same thing, cut uh, underperforming players. You, I don't know. Whatever happens after that, it's going to be one of two things, Coach. Carolina comes out, plays with emotion, plays their best game of the season, tries to get their ship righted and try to save the season, and or the opposite, everything implodes, and, you know, this could be the beginning of the end, and the team falls apart, you know, and the Bears win like like 38-3, and Cam Newton gets sacked a couple times, throws a couple interceptions, and the defense really doesn't try to stop the Bears as they run the ball down their throat in the second. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm foreseeing the Panthers coming out being like, we get to play in the NFL, we haven't played well this year. I do not want to be cut. Let's play the game, the best game we've had all season. And that's what they're probably going to get, Coach. I don't think it's going to be the first one. And hopefully it's that, but I don't think it's going to be. I agree with you. That's that's what I would expect, too. And, uh, of course, the head coach, the guy you're uh, alluding to and talking about, is uh, ex-85 Chicago Bear and ex-great Chicago Bear Ron Rivera, um, who I have, I've always liked. I you know, actually wanted him to be coaching the uh, Chicago Bears at one point, long-time assistant, getting his first coaching job, obviously struggling. Big Dog is in his second year. So when they're not playing the Bears, I do like to root for Carolina just because of Ron Rivera. But uh, the other thing I was surprised with is Steve Smith. Wide Does receiver Steve Smith, a Bears touchdown. killer. He's still playing in the NFL and still producing. How old is that guy? Uh He's probably not as old as you think he is, Coach. I would say this is his 11th season. I feel like he's been in the NFL. I feel like he he, he played against the 85 Bears. Well, you, you know what? It, it can, if you are, if you weren't a starter on the 85 Bears, could you you called him great? Do you really think Ron Rivera was a great football player? No, I I, I said he's a great guy. Okay. He was great in the role he played, but no, he was not a great NFL player. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he filled that role. Yes, David. Steve Smith is 33 in his 12th season. Man. And we still, I think all of us, Big Dog, and I'm sure you included, we still have occasional Steve Smith flashbacks back to the Super Bowl of Help Me Out. What, what year was the Rex Grossman year? Well, it was, you're thinking of January 2006, uh, the 05 playoff. Yes. Oh my God. Bears have, the Bears almost set the record for fewest points allowed in a season. They played phenomenal defense all year. When they played the Carolina Panthers in 2005, they beat them 13 to 3, if you remember. They just absolutely shut them down. They didn't even blitz. They had eight sacks that game. And, uh, then they play them in the playoffs and, Everyone's like, man, the Bears killed him without even blitzing. They can double-team Steve Smith, blah, blah, blah. Well, the Bears don't decide to double-team Steve Smith. And he has over 160 yards and three touchdowns. I, I don't know about his yardage total, but he had three long touchdowns against the Bears. And was- yeah, and the biggest complaint is we did not adjust. And by the way, irony of irony, Ron Rivera was the defensive coordinator of that particular team, his head coach right now. And I think, Big Dog, there had been some conflict beforehand, but that really brought that game, brought the Lovey Smith-Ron Rivera conflict to the point of no return, did it not? Well, considering it was the the, the defense coordinator the next year, I, I really, you know, the, Ron Rivera was the defense coordinator the next season, so I, I really don't know how much he of was? an effect so- it had. 
He, I thought he, I thought that was it. So he came back the following you know, year. He was the, he was the, he was the Super Bowl coordinator. The okay. The defensive coordinator in the Yeah, Super you're Bowl. right. You're right. And then, and then in the Super Bowl, we had complaints about no adjustments in game plan either defensively. Remember? Joseph. Yeah, well, there, there absolutely was. Uh, yeah. the Indianapolis Colts threw 18 completions. Yes. To, uh, Joseph Adai and yep. Dominic Rhodes. And, uh, like, you, if basically Erlacher and Lance Briggs both had, like, 15 tackles in the Super yeah. Bowl. But the and problem Re- was they were all for nine yard gains. Rivera wanted to adjust and be a little bit more aggressive, change the plan. Lovey Smith. Had his basic game plan, and I think that you're right. That was the game that, that that finalized the relationship. You know what? I've had. It's funny that game's been brought up a lot recently, and I don't believe this is true. But I've actually had people tell me the reason why Lovey Smith did not adjust and didn't make any adjustments to uh, to the game plan wasn't because he was afraid Peyton Manning would burn them if they blitzed. It was because uh, Lovey Smith really didn't want to win the game because Tony Dungy's son had just committed suicide oh boy there's either two different at two different times somebody brought that up to me and like within the last 10 days well because i'm mm-hmm. talking about this is a lot better team than 06 and all that and people are like, no this team's better than 06 they would have won the super bowl and the person's arguing that lovey smith blew the super bowl because he didn't want to beat his friend because it's he was going first, through an emotional time first i've ever heard that rumor i gotta let that sink in my initial thought is no way but you know but hey Maybe subconsciously, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I just I heard that, and I just wow, I was like, wow, I've heard some whacked out stuff in my life, and I believe a lot of it too. Mm-hmm. That I don't believe. That you would, I just I can't imagine. You know, that then again, I don't know. I've never had a friend who had a had a, a child commit suicide, so mm-hmm. that that's a little different. Yep, great book by Tony Dungy too. I'm forgetting the name, but if you read, I think it's the only book he's ever written outstanding. Book, not just on football, but life's philosophies, too. He's uh, he's okay on TV. He's not great, but uh, just a great, great guy. Low-key, but very, very philosophical. He has deep thoughts. Very cool guy, Tony Dungy. He'll probably get back into coaching, I would think. Maybe one more shot at a big dog. He's still a young guy. Um, I don't know. That. He's not that young, Coach. He's got to be in his 60s. Don't forget, he was an assistant coach in the 80s with the Steelers. You know, that was Had a great uh, afro, that was too. after his NFL career. One you of the top ten, top ten afros in NFL history, or college football history, possibly. What was, he, what was he at Stanford? Where did he go to college? No, Minnesota. Minnesota, okay. He was a golden gopher. Yes, David. 57. 50, eh, depends where you come from. Okay. It's a young man in my book. Mm, yeah, you can still coach at 57. I was thinking more like 62 is what I would have mm-hmm. guessed. But, yeah, he didn't play that long in the NFL. His career was short. Yep. So uh, that, that makes, that's why that adds up for him. Now, we got a full slate of games coming at you. We'll make our Beat the Schmoes football picks, but there's some good ones out there. Big Dog Atlanta at Philadelphia, testing game for the Eagles, the New England Patriots, St. Louis Rams, that game being played in London. How about that? Tom Brady making the big trip. That game in London. Dolphins at the Jets, pretty good game. Um uh, you got the Redskins at the Steelers, great rivalry there. The New Orleans Saints at Denver, and the Saints come all the way back. So I wouldn't call it great, but some pretty interesting. Really, every Sunday in NFL is interesting because of the parity, isn't it? We could almost say that every week. You know, it, it, it's funny. We couldn't last week. Last week, uh, the best way I can tell you is I'm in a pool with 36 people. I won the first two weeks, Coach, which is just I can't explain that considering I was going 0-3 and beat the Schmoes, but I beat 35 other people in football picks. Uh, but 
last week I looked, I was like, this is the easiest week I have ever seen. And I was like, and I laughed, and I like, I was like, this will be the week I, I blow everything. I got two games wrong, and out of 36 people, I finished in eighth place. So was this last week a, was what? the exact, I, all those, the, we all, all the games were easy, all the, all the favorites won, and all of a sudden this weekend, like, I guess, Tennessee beat Buffalo, and that was the only game that, like, shook anybody up and has that pick. But you're right, this week, I'm looking at these games, I don't know who to pick, Coach. I honestly, was like, I got to put confidence levels on. I'm like, I don't want to. The Bears are, like, the biggest confidence level that I have on any team winning this weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the rest of the games are just up in the air. And Thursday night, last night, might have been a uh, preamble to what we're going to expect this weekend because Minnesota at home getting shellacked, getting beaten all over the field for the most part, although Adrian Peterson was pretty damn good, uh, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who a lot of us thought were dead in the water a couple of weeks ago, dog. So that might have been an omen for things to come this Sunday. Well, uh, Tampa Bay keeps on losing close games and then blowing people out, losing close games and blowing people out. Uh, they're probably a little better than, than we thought they were. Their, their defense is pretty young, and they have one player on their team that is just flat-out dynamic. Doug Martin, the Boise State kid who's now starting at, at Tampa Bay. Uh, Mike Mayock, our, uh, both of our favorite uh, color analysts, especially in football, compared him to Emmett Smith yesterday. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. And then all of a sudden, after watching the game, and I'm like, yeah, they're there's some definitely comparisons. The way he can stop and start and shuffle through the hole, he looks just like the old 22 Emmett Smith coach. Hmm. Yeah, he Same was body part of size too. Same yeah. exact body size. So, and the, the knock coming out of him coming out of college as well. Boise State doesn't play the top teams week in and week out. Is he really that good? I think he's starting to answer that question. You know what's funny is the same guy, the same guy who says, "Oh yeah, Boise State doesn't play anybody. How can you trust him?" That same guy will be like. Oh, yeah, how can you trust Marcus Latimer? He plays in the SEC. He's too beat up for the NFL. <laughs> Make up your freaking mind. Okay. <laughs> you know, can the guy play or can he not play football? You know, so. Yeah, uh, Josh Freeman, you know. the Tampa Bay quarterback, is uh, all of a sudden the last couple of weeks looking like a world beater uh, also. Well, that, that, that's good to see because, you know, he did, never really was good at Kansas State. They were great. He never, to me, ever seemed like a first-round draft pick at Kansas State. But he's huge with a big arm and quick feet. So, so he got he was a first round draft pick, was good as a rookie, incredible as a second year, and then bad last year, real bad. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of cool to see that he's actually rebounded and has improved a lot. He's actually he's a good NFL quarterback coach. Ah, uh, big dog and a coach. We do football Fridays each and every Friday. We tried doing football Fridays on Tuesdays and Thursdays. David Olson didn't work clearly as well, so now we do it on Fridays. How about that? Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number. You want to check in any of the NFL games over the weekend, your comments, positive, negative, or anywhere in the vast in-between. We're always willing to take that. Beat the Schmoes. Other shows play Beat the Pros. We here at the Two Guys at a Mike show play a little football picking game called Beat the Schmoes. Any three games, high school, college, or pro, we're the only show that will put a point spread on a high school game, if you want to go that route. Uh, and you pick it against the point spread, and you got to beat the Schmoes to win a prize. We keep our record throughout the season. So far, the Schmoes have been beaten a couple of times, but overall, we're doing pretty good. Big Dog, you've been a little inconsistent this year, but you have been on the upswing. Um, I will let you choose. Would you like to lead off today, bat in the two spot, or do you feel like cleaning things up? Well, yeah, I'm really not sure what to do now that 
you, you picked one of my games because now I, I'm really not sure too, but I'll figure it out here. I'll go. I'm going to take, uh, I'll, I'll go first, Coach, just to get it over with. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Wisconsin as a six-point favorite over uh, Michigan State. And I've liked Michigan State all year, and I keep picking them, and I picked them last week as they lost to Michigan, but just too close. They have the worst offense in all of college football. Their defense is really, really, really good. Michigan State has seriously one of the top ten defenses in America. But their offense is the 120th out of the 120 teams, not statistically, just in reality. Uh, They have Le'Veon Bell and a great defense. I'm going with Wisconsin to win that game. And your guy, James White, making an appearance last week for – for Wisconsin, having a, a pretty big uh, second half for them. Monty so. Ball gets all the pub, rightfully so, but you're absolutely right. James Wright, James White is an outstanding tanto to Ball's Lone Ranger. Yeah, and, uh, honestly, that was an excellent, excellent play. And I'm, I, I'm not going to back off. Uh, George is a six and a half point favorite, uh, underdog, underdog against Florida, everywhere from six and a half to seven. I, I don't need the seven. If Florida wins by seven or more. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it. So I'm going to take Georgia plus the six and a half. And then there was a couple other games, coach, all over the board that this was the hardest actually picking the ones that I want because BYU goes into Georgia Tech. That's an excellent game. Southern Cal goes into Arizona. That is a great game. You have, uh, Texas Tech going into Kansas State. That is a phenomenal game. So there's games all over the board and, uh, I'm really sorry I wasn't ready because I, 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 I'm going to – okay, I, I think I'm going to have to do a coach. I will take <laughs> Oklahoma as an 11-point favorite wow. over Notre Dame. So both of us were shocked yesterday that Oklahoma was favored by that much, but 24 hours to let it sit, dog, and you, you're feeling an Oklahoma run. No, I don't want that game. Could I take – I will take Penn State over Ohio State Okay, as a one-point favorite. Really? Yeah. Penn State, if Penn State beats Ohio State, big dog, if they do, how big of a national story does the Nittany Lion run become? If Ohio State was still eligible to play in the Rose Bowl, I think it would be a bigger story. Because they're like, oh, Penn State knocks off Ohio State. They can't play in the Big Ten Championship. You know, all that, you know, that, that would have happened. Okay. Uh, I, I, the simple, like, it would have been a story if this would have say, "Hey, Penn State's ineligible, and they beat the team that is going." Yep. So, like, I don't know how big of a story, Coach, it's going to be because both teams aren't eligible, and that, that's yeah, really too bad. Because if they were both eligible, even though they wouldn't have a national championship implications, and they go, well, actually, Ohio State would. Let's face it; they're still undefeated. Everybody, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, I'm, I'm predicting their first loss of the season. I think that would make a big, big difference if Ohio State was still eligible, is my yeah, point. I think that's a sobering but uh, accurate analysis. And uh, I've been rooting for Penn State all season long. I hope that you win that particular beat the Schmo football pick. David Olson, you want to go two spot or three, my friend? I'll take the two spot here. Um, Bears are going to win. Carolina is going to cover that seven and a half. Woo! All right, uh, game number two. Let me see who's the home team here real quick. Uh, I'm going to take Miami over the uh, Jets at New York. Jets are getting two and a half. Okay. All right. uh, And game number three, I was, like, torn between two of them, but I think uh, Dallas 
is going to upset the Giants at Dallas. New York's favored by two in that uh, one. Just so well, you can uh, see. So Dallas is going to beat the Giants twice this year, is what you're saying, even though I bet you would say that the Giants are a better team than the Cowboys. Absolutely they're a better team than the Cowboys, but Tony Romo, for whatever reason it is, he always steps it up against the Jets. Or the, the Jets, the Giants. And I just want to let you warn, I was told by someone that lost a lot more money gambling than me, David Olson. <laughs> when you expect a team to lose but cover the spread, when you try to get both ends of the stick, you usually end up getting both ends of the stick. <laughs> Truer words in the football world have never been spoken. Uh, I'll take the, and by the way, I hope you win that one, David Olson. I'll be more than happy. And everybody else wants the Bears are playing a team with a real bad record. You know, get the 38-3 win like I was talking about. I will take a 20-17 to ugly Robbie Gold deal goal uh, right before the end of regulation to win. No problem. I'll be more than happy with a win like that. Seriously. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we're going to get. I think that's exactly yeah. what we're going to get. That's what I was surmising early, too, is I think Carolina is going to play like a wounded animal and they'll play their best game of the season. I think the Bears will be fortunate to come out with a victory now. I'm Putting it up to the screen, Big Dog, I have not changed any of my picks, all three of them there, but two of them, the same games that David Olson picked. We're not copying each other on purpose. You'll be happy to know, David, that I disagree with you on one of them. My beat the Schmoes picks for the weeks, Miami at the Jets. have been burned by the Dolphins once or twice this year, Big Dog. Call me a skeptic. I am a skeptic. I'm a non-believer. You experienced that with my Uncle Larry when we had lunch of the whole Metal pole bending, but that's a different issue. But uh, I, I'm not going to believe in the Miami Dolphins just yet. If they win this week, I promise you, I won't bet against them all year long. But I'm taking the New York Jets at home. Part of it, dog, is Tebow and Sanchez have been taking a beating. By the way, the Matt Sanchez, who was he dating? Eva Longoria relationship is over. But they, they've been taking a beating in the press. I think the Jets are going to have a chip on their shoulder, and they're going to tear apart the Miami Dolphins. But they, they might win by three touchdowns this game. And, Atlanta Falcons at the Philadelphia Eagles, 6-0 Falcon, 3-3 three and three Eagle. The Eagles are favored at home by a point and a half. I think they're favored for a reason. Atlanta loses its first game of the season. Philadelphia wins. What? That was the fourth game I had. Were it you was, gonna it was, it, I, no, I was going to go with the Eagles, still. Okay. I was going to go with the Eagles, too. But much this to David is, Olson's yeah, chagrin, we're starting to me. think alike. And I agreed with you. Dallas and the Giants, I had the Dallas Cowboys over the New York Giants. And here's another little stat for you. Andy Reid, after bye weeks, yes. 13-0. Saw that. I, I, I did not see that. And, guys, I'm not kidding you. If I was the one NFL game I wanted all week was, and you know I'm not an Eagles guy. I just think Ooh. that this is the game that... The yeah. Eagles will lose to a bunch of bad teams, and then yeah. they beat the guy at the team that's six and zero. That I like the Eagles this weekend too. That's thirteen and zero. I mean, that's you know five and zero, six and a thirteen and zero after a bye That's a hell of a trend, Big Duck. <laughs> it is. That's not. Yeah, like you know that there's something to be said. Like you know, we'd have the stats like oh, since 1980 when the, the Bears are coming off uh, a <laughs> national televised yeah. game and they're playing a team with a losing record. No, no, no. That's it's totally different. There is actually evidence that if you have two weeks to prepare for a team, you win. That's totally. That is actually like a stat that you can say, "Yeah, I, I understand that," and that's mm-hmm. tangible, Coach. All right, uh, big dog. We got about a minute left. Uh, bye bye. I know the females of the city of Chicago very anxious to find out if there's a chance they might be able to catch a glimpse, possibly rug, rub elbows, if not other body parts of the big dog this weekend. What do you got planned? Will you be out and about meeting the general public? Uh, well, right now I'm going to have to help Mama Wu with some stuff before uh, she goes off to work. Mama Wu. Mama Wu. 
Oh. Okay, and then uh, that's Mom Lilac, actually. And uh, and then the rest of the weekend, here's, here's what I have every intention to do it. On Monday, I have a whole thing planned. I'm going to have to work nonstop. Today I'm working nonstop. But from tomorrow, after I get done working out, until Sunday at 12 or 11.20 when I get on the train, I'm not doing anything but sitting my ass on a couch and watching football, Coach. And you'll be a happy man for it. Yes, and it's, uh, if you're a woman and you want to see me, just bring beer, food, and other things to my house in Aurora, okay? And remember that I'm absolutely head over heels in love with a, a chick that'll be in, in Chinatown surfing food. So there there will be room on the couch for a little uh, snuggling, but uh, no frisky play. The big dog is taken. No, no snuggling. I don't snuggle. I don't ever cuddle, Coach, even with the ones I love. All right. Behave yourself this weekend, dog, and have a great one, okay? All right, Joe. All right, two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com, signing off. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We much, much appreciate it. Have an outstanding weekend back Monday, 10 o'clock. Don't be late. The first 30 seconds of the show is the best part. From there, we typically go downhill.